Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. If we haven't met, my name's Terry Smith. I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here at the Life Christian Church, and I'd love to have an opportunity to meet you before the day is over. So today is Vision Sunday. Once a year, first Sunday uh, of December every year, I take considerable time, that's a little warning, to talk about our vision emphasis at the Life Christian Church for the coming year. This is a big Sunday for us, and uh, I hope that you will find it meaningful and uh, informative uh, and I'm reminded, you know, I feel a tremendous sense of responsibility when I come to this week every year. I think about it, pray about it for quite some time leading up to it. Lots of discussions with our board and elders and leaders about it. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of the passage of Scripture that says that without a vision, people perish. There is a lot resting on having a clearly articulated uh view of a preferred future. And, um, you know, that, that scripture uh, that says in Proverbs, without a vision, the people perish, that word vision is closely associated with the word oracle, the idea of a word from God, that without a sense from God as to a preferred future, people perish. There's a lot at stake when it comes to the discussion of vision. So uh, I, I uh, hope that you'll settle in, uh, hear me, uh, don't go to sleep on me, uh, and uh, that you will be, by the time we leave, as inspired as I am about some of the possibilities here for us. This past summer, Christian and Amanda, um, our son and daughter-in-law and online campus pastors took Sharon and me to Postman's Park in London. In Postman's Park, there is an amazing memorial called the G.F. Watts Memorial to Heroic Self-Sacrifice. The G.F. Watts Memorial to Heroic Self-Sacrifice. This memorial was unveiled in the year 1900 and includes a number of beautiful ceramic plaques attached to a wall. Each plaque commemorates a so-called ordinary person who did something extraordinary by giving their life to save someone else's life. And here's an example of some of the plaques that are hanging on the wall in Postman's Park. G. Garnish, a young clergyman who lost his life in endeavoring to rescue a stranger from drowning at Putney. Alice Ayers, daughter of a bricklayer's laborer who by intrepid conduct saved three children from a burning house in Union Street Borough at the cost of her own life. Henry James Bristow, aged eight on December 30th, 1890, saved his little sister's life by tearing off her flaming clothes but caught fire himself and died of burns and shock. And then John uh, Cranmer, age 23, a clerk in the London County Council who was drowned near Ostend, whilst saving the life of a stranger and a foreigner. And then in the park as well, there's a statue uh, dedicated to um, G.F. Watts, who was an artist and social reformer, and the man who conceived this memorial to self-sacrifice. The plaque which conveys his motivation for doing this Uh, If we just read the last paragraph, the material prosperity of a nation is not an abiding possession. The deeds of its people are, so said G.F. Watts, and then he quotes John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. It's little wonder that he would cite the words of Jesus as his motivation for this memorial to heroic self-sacrifice. John 15, verse 12 and 13, Jesus very famously said, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus, 
show the world what ultimate self-sacrifice is when he gave his life on the cross. And that's why the cross is the ultimate memorial to self-sacrificial love. And this is why self-sacrificial love is part of what it means for us to be followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus are willing to sacrifice to save others. We are willing to sacrifice to serve others in need. This doesn't mean that we must literally lay down our lives, although we should be willing to do that if called upon. It does mean that we must find ways appropriate to our time and place to show God's love by sacrificing for others. Now, this can be done in any number of ways. But know this, in Christianity, sacrifice is a positive concept. And self-sacrifice on the behalf of others is an essential part of what it means to follow Jesus. Sacrifice is good. And one of the things I appreciate about the people of the Life Christian Church is that many, many people over many years have sacrificed to spread God's love through the ministry of this church. We have willingly, enthusiastically even, given up things that we could have used for ourselves in order to serve a greater cause. And in doing this, we have joined with Jesus to show what love looks like. Our mission here at the Life Christian Church is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. And we believe that part of living the life God dreams for us is joining Him in His mission to spread God's love. And spreading God's love typically involves sacrifice. As Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. One opportunity we offer that allows us to practice self-sacrifice is our Christmas missions offering. And today we will launch towards that annual offering, the only offering that we take each year outside of our regular tithes and offerings. But we do it with excitement, we do it with enthusiasm, we do it because we know that part of what it means to follow Jesus is to have an opportunity to sacrifice for others. This once-a-year sacrificial offering, an offering above our regular tithes and offerings, is given to fund our TLCC missional initiatives. A regular tithes and offerings covers everything it takes to operate uh, uh, this church. Uh, essentially, I'm not going to get into the, uh, into the sausage making, but it takes a lot to do what we do here and to have a staff of 30 people who are working hard to serve you and to carry out our mission. This once-a-year Christmas missions offering is used to fund the things primarily and typically the things that we do outside of here. And um, last year, the people of this church gave $404,242 in our Christmas missions offering. Pretty amazing. And this year, our goal is $425,000. There'll be a lot of people who will give during this Christmas season and want to do this as year-end giving. And then there are a lot of other people who will make a pledge to give between now and Easter, and that's our Christmas missions offering. So let me uh, just remind you, when we talk about missional initiatives, the kinds of things we're talking about. And I'll do this as briefly as possible. I've got a lot to say today uh, about where we're headed, but just because I know there are a lot of wonderful people who are you weren't here last year at this time, the last time we've talked at length about this, it's good for you to have a sense of what we mean when we talk about missional initiatives. It includes includes things like our Plus Life Missions program. On the screen behind me, you will see a listing of, of organizations and causes we have partnered with, either financially, typically financially, and or, or both and actually by people resourcing to serve. Um, and this includes what we refer to as our Plus Life Global Partnerships and our Plus Life Local Partnerships. For instance, Plus Life Global, we intentionally limit the numbers of partners we have. That's why the bulk of these partnerships are local in this region. Uh, we intentionally limit the number of partners we have because we made a decision to develop deep 
partnerships over a long period of time with organizations that we know that we are, we are in it with them over the course of many years, helping them fulfill their mission. So that includes organizations like uh, the Kashmir Evangelical Fellowship in um, the Kashmir section of the the of of India in the Himalayan belt, where uh, there are very few Christ followers, uh, primarily Muslims, actually in that part of India, uh, and Hindus, and we partner with an organization there that has about 450 churches all through that area, preaching the gospel. They're making tremendous sacrifices right now, suffering persecution. We've sent teams there. I've been there actually to speak to the pastors and so on. Uh, we have a family that we're supporting there that's planted a church in a, in a, in a city right on the border of Tibet. Uh, we completely fund this family that's planted this church and is uh, doing God's work there in profound ways. Um, that's one example of many. It, we could talk about our relationship with Convoy of Hope. Uh, Convoy of Hope is considered to be one of the best disaster relief agencies uh, in the world. And uh, we have a strong partnership with Convoy of Hope. Uh, when there's a disaster any place in the world, we are there through our financial support of Convoy of Hope, and it's not unusual for there to be a group of TLCC people who are there helping to rebuild. For instance, we were very engaged. In fact, we got Convoy of Hope into Puerto Rico because of some relationships we have in Puerto Rico after the hurricane that devastated Puerto Rico here a few years ago. So I could go on and on about those kind. Well, I'll say one other thing. Several years ago, uh, this is an example of the kind of things we've done over the years. We, we uh, had a huge campaign where we led about 200 people to sponsor children through Compassion International's amazing work and uh, adopted an entire region of El Salvador for an area development project where we worked in concert with a local church uh, who was uh, feeding families in need, mentoring children, helping uh, raise them to success. These are the kind of things that we're talking about when we talk about Plus Life Global. Plus Life Local, there are all kinds of organizations in this region that we both support financially and that and there are places that we serve when you know regularly and then through events like Plus Life Day or coming up in January we'll have a great big day of service that hopefully a couple hundred of us will participate in around Martin Luther King Jr. Day um, and though you see a lot of uh, organizations listed behind me uh, you might wonder how can we really support that many people there are some of these organizations we are their largest supporter and um, I, I don't know I haven't this has been a couple years since I was told this, but for instance, the food pantry here in West Orange at Holy Trinity Church, we have been for quite some time the largest financial contributor to the food pantry. Um, and, you know, I could go on and on. This, our work at the soup kitchen that has happened for for a long, long time uh, at Christine's Soup Kitchen. Many of you have served there, regularly served there, to feed the hungry. Um, that's the kind of thing we're talking about when we talk about missional initiatives, typically, not always, and today I'm going to tweak this just a little bit because of our vision emphasis this year. Typically, we're talking about things outside of ourselves, not things that are happening here, things that are happening from here. Well, with that in mind, let me then say that our vision emphasis for 2023 is to inspire more people and spread more of God's love. If I were going to use one word, I would use the word more. We want to inspire more people to spread more of God's love. And I'm going to get into a little inside baseball here uh, just because this is the, the kind of the one week that I'll do this kind of thing and say that we're, we've been doing a lot of talking about how that we need to become more attractional so that we can be more missional. When I talk about being attractional, I'm talking about the kinds of things that we do here or online to attract people to the Life Christian Church. That can be creating an attractive physical environment, the ministries that happen here, like our marvelous K-Port ministry to children's, the way we produce a Sunday service, uh, things that attract people. Missional typically refers to things we do from here, like Plus Life Missions it would be an example of that. And many churches will make a distinction between the two and describe themselves as 
either attractional or missional, we decided years ago that we were going to try to do both. Uh, we, you know, you have to attract people in order to be, you have to create an economy of scale in order to do missional things on a large level. And our mission statement reflects both. Our mission statement is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread his love in ever-widening circles. We attract people here, inspire them to their God-given dreams, and hope people make the connection between their dreams and God's dream for the world and get involved in spreading God's love in ever-widening circles. It seems, uh, as we've discussed this, that in recent years we've focused more on the missional part of things, which is great. But we're thinking about how that we need to be more intentional about attracting more and more people so that we continue to spread God's love more and more. We know if we inspire people to the life God dreams for them, that part of the life he dreams for them is to get involved in his mission to spread his love. The more people we inspire, the more people we attract, the more people we inspire, the more mission we can fulfill. An example is um, Rosemary Domenico. Rosemary, you're in the room today. Rosemary Domenico, uh, haven't talked about her for a while um, because the, 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 the story is a story of long success now. But Rosemary Domenico is a, was a faithful uh, Roman Catholic who saw uh, some things about TLCC searching online, came to TLCC, uh, would say that she entered a new dimension of her faith and um, uh, became a, a, a faithful member at TLCC. One day, she heard me doing a sermon. I used to do this sermon a lot, where I was talking about how that you can create a preferred future, that something that does not presently exist in this world, but does exist in the mind of God, can be put in your mind. You can give birth to it. You can create an entire new reality that brings God's love to people. She's sitting there listening to me speak this week after week, and um, she, at that time, was a, was a teacher in the Newark school system. She loved, had a tremendous tremendous passion for the kids that she was teaching, but she felt stuck in a system that she said, I can't speak to this, I don't know enough about it, was so systemically broken that she just felt like she wasn't able to help kids the way she should. And all of a sudden, she's inspired listening to me preach. If you can believe that, shocking, isn't it? What? Uh, miracles happen. She was inspired to start a charter school to get out of the system, to create something that didn't presently exist. And on the basis of that inspiration, she joined with two other women, and they started Pride Academy Charter School. And Pride Academy Charter School is now and has been for quite some time one of the most awarded charter schools in the state of New Jersey. This happened because she was attracted here. It happened because she was inspired with a God-given dream here. And now God's love has been spread in ever-widening circles in a profound way. But not only was Rosemary inspired, but the people of this church did what the people of this church do. The people of this church got inspired and helped launch that school. We're going back 15 years now. They helped prepare the building and materials to launch it. Donated the money to, we donated the money to install the water fountains. Uh, they received a grant for a playground. The people of TLCC installed it. Uh, during Thanksgiving, many of the families in need who attended that school, we provided Thanksgiving meals through our Thanksgiving baskets. Um, uh, sitting also in our church at that time was New York Jets wide receiver Jericho Cotri. You Jets fan will remember Jericho as a, a really great player for quite some season in New York Jets history. Well, Jericho and Mercedes had a foundation, the Cotri Foundation. They got inspired by the vision of Pride Academy School, and they decided to make Pride Academy School the focus of the attention of their foundation. Among other things, they started a mentoring program that mentored these kids in profound ways. Many of you at TLCC got trained, became mentors, mentored kids at Pride Academy. 
Academy Charter School. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I saw Rosemary in the lobby, and she said, I want to, I need to meet with you and talk to you about something. Uh, my assistant set up a Zoom call. We had a meeting with her and another one of her colleagues. They're having their 15th anniversary gala next April, their 15th anniversary gala, and they have asked me to be the honoree of their 15th anniversary gala, which means... Which means we, because I didn't install the playground, right? It means we are being honored simply because we created an environment where God can inspire people with dreams to go out and do things that spread His love in ever-widening circles. Now, I said all of that to say we have an awareness and want to get intentional in our prayer and energies right now. We need more Rosemary's sitting in this room. We need more Jericho and Mercedes Cotchery sitting in this room who have the ability to make a major impact on a dream like somebody like Rosemary. We need lots of people like that group of people that helped get the school going. We need to attract more people so we can inspire more people and so that we can spread God's love in ever-widening circles. And just as a big vision emphasis, I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff over the next few minutes. That's the thing that I'm thinking about a lot, that if we continue to invest in creating an attractive environment here and inspiring people here, we'll be able to spread God's love more and more. A principle. Now, I'm going to leave this for a minute, in a minute, for a minute, but come back to it at the end of my talk. By then, you will have forgotten what I'm about to say. But anyway, here's a principle. The more we invest in beautiful... I need to emphasize the word. The more we invest in beautiful things to tell more people the gospel story than the more people in need we can serve. Remember that story in the gospel uh, of Matthew where this woman brings a very expensive bottle of perfume and she pours it over the head of Jesus as an act of worship and the disciples got upset, really? at I don't know if they were upset at her or at him. I guess at him because he let her spend all this money just to pour it on his head. And uh, they said, why would you not take this, mu- this perfume and sell it and use the money to serve the poor? Which seems like a reasonable question to ask, right? Why would you spend all this money creating something beautiful when you could just take that money and use it to serve the poor? And Jesus was aware of this, Matthew 26, 10, and said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Now here's the deal. There's not enough time to get into the text at length here today, but this woman, when she poured that perfume over his head, was portraying in an expensive, beautiful, and artistic way that his body was about to be bathed in ointment for burial. She was foreshadowing and telling the gospel story by this act of expensive beauty. And Jesus said to his disciples, what this woman has done is a story that will be told to explain me for many, many years to come. As long as the story of the gospel is told, he said, they'll be telling the story about this woman. Sometimes we do beautiful things to help tell the gospel story in a way where though you're spending and investing on that thing, and someone may say, why aren't you spending more money on serving the poor? You end up being able to serve the poor more because you made the investment in the attractional, inspiring, beautiful thing that sparks people's dreams and connects them to God's mission in this world. So, an example of that is our Christmas experience. You know, one of many. We spend a lot of money, guys, putting on our Christmas experience. And I've heard well-intentioned people say, and, I, and it's a reasonable discussion to have, trust me. I'm not criticizing the question at all. Why would you spend so much money on the beautiful lights? We could use that money for X, Y, or Z. It's a good question to ask. But, but the answer for us is we think that by investing in something beautiful and attractional and inspirational, that we're going to end up having more resources to spend to serve the poor and feed the hungry and clothe the naked and house the homeless and so on and so forth. And so uh, 
we feel like that we're at a place where we need to really be thinking about how to be investing in the attractional and the missional so that ultimately we can spread God's love in ever-widening circles more. Now, we'll hang on to that, and I'll come back to that. But let, let me, having said that, let me talk about four big vision investments for 2023 that we hope to make uh, with the uh, Christmas missions offering. The first two are obvious but important to restate. Uh, the other two, I'll come back to what I've been talking about concerning this attractional thing, and I hope in a way that will be meaningful to you. Okay, four big vision investments, four more in 2023. First, continue growing plus life mission. This is always a major emphasis of ours. It will continue to be for a long, long time. We want to continue growing plus life missions. Last year in our Christmas missions offering, one of the things we said is that we wanted to hire a full-time person who could dedicate and focus their, their primary full-time on continuing to build all things Plus Life Mission. Before that, we had had several part-time leaders who did an amazing job, but we knew we needed, and so we needed, it was a little bit out of our normal tithing and offering capacity to fund that position. We used some seed money from last year's offering. We hired Kevin Torres, who was doing an amazing job building out our Plus Life Missions program. And um, another major emphasis from last year's offering was that uh, we wanted to invest in our partnership with Convoy of Hope in a feeding program that they uh, had initiated in Guatemala, of all places, where, uh, without going into detail, although in the brochure you received when you walked in, there is considerable more detail about this, uh, they were developing a program to help uh, folks in an impoverished area of Guatemala be able to grow their own food and create a sustainable model to have food on their table and to use the food they were growing then to sell in the market, earn income. Life-changing stuff for lots of people. From our Christmas offering last year, we made a pretty significant investment in that program. We made an investment of $25,000 and the results of that program are remarkable. They're now moving this program to other places and uh, we're probably not going to participate in that this year, but we were able to help get it going with a significant gift. We're able to do things like that because of your generosity. And so this year, and so typically we will have some kind of, a, of an emphasis where we will uh, make sure we're dedicating a significant amount of the offering to a certain what we believe will be high impact thing. Last year it was the Guatemala Mission Program. This year we want to go deeper even in our relationship with Adopt One Village. Adopt One Village is probably our longest standing partner. If you're not familiar with Adopt One Village, I'll simply say that Adopt One Village, which is led by a TLCC guy, Emmanuel Anam Saki, is he here today? You guys will know because you would have seen him in the, he's out in the parking lot directing cars. Amazing. Guys, Emmanuel, the guy directing cars out there. As an example, awarded the Humanitarian of the Year by the U.S. Postal Service. Hundreds of thousands of postal workers, of hundreds of thousands, they said, this is the guy who we're going to... That's, that's Emmanuel. Okay, that's an example of the kind of impact that Emmanuel has had in the region he's from in Ghana, the Abitifi-Kwahu region, where entire buildings are being rebuilt, the infrastructure. And their largest partner is the Life Christian Church. The people of the Life Christian Church populate every position on the board of that organization. Um, and we've been partnering for a long, long time with long-term success. Everything from uh, bringing water into villages by digging wells to building schools, te teaching teachers uh, uh, to how to teach, bringing in materials, and all of this being done from someone who is local, uh, indigenous to that region of the world, so that we're not coming in telling someone how to do something the way we do it here, but it's translated through Emmanuel into a way that actually meets the needs of those people. Well, one of the things that we've done over the years is we've built a medical center that has become the most important medical center in that region. It's called the Life Care Center, T-L-C-C. And um, there are wonderful stories to be told about that uh, and the impact that it's having. But the next thing that Adopt One Village is working on, in fact, it's underway. I've been there. I've seen the property. I'm very excited about this, is they're working now on the Life Leadership Center, TLLC. I need to talk to them about their acronyms. Um, 
and um, the Life Leadership Center, they've presented me and our leaders a proposal around this, uh, is something that we want to contribute significantly to immediately, and then as we move forward more and more. But the Life Care Center is an opportunity for them to create a center for all of their activities in that area, a modern building where there are very few modern buildings. Uh, it'll be a place to house our teams when they travel there. 44 people can stay there at one time. That's always a challenge when we travel to that very remote place. It's a place where training is going to happen for healthcare workers, for uh, leaders in education, a place where we're going to go and we're going to train pastors and leaders uh, to lead well. I've had the privilege to be there and to do that in the past in the Presbyterian Seminary where our teams normally stay. Um, so this center is going to become very important everything they're doing there, including a place for storage and so on and so forth. The cost of this uh, uh, is, is they're estimating $175,000. We intend immediately to cover, to, to do the next 10% of that from this offering, and then we're going to continue to assess what our involvement should be in helping to fund this as we move forward. So this is a major initiative that from this year's Christmas offering, we know will make significant impact. Here's the second uh, vision. Um, what am I calling this? Investment for more in 2023. It's to launch a new TLCC campus. We have a desire to launch new TLCC campuses in areas that need a church like TLCC. And um, we, uh, several years ago, we launched a campus in Paramus. I think it's important to speak to this. Some of you may wonder where we're at in our thinking about all of this, though I have talked about this in the past. I, I, some of you probably haven't heard it. We launched a, a, a campus in Paramus at the AMC Theater there. Uh, we had a really great start, and then COVID hit, and obviously the theater shut down over a long period of time. It took a really long time with, without us being able to meet there because of the circumstances that were out of our control. And we decided during that time to do a couple things. One, to really focus on building a true online campus, which has been a tremendous success for us. I, saw, I happened to see a full report on our online campus here the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, we, we began funding that campus out of a Christmas missions offering. Now it is just crossing the line into self-sustainability, meaning that there are enough people attending the online campus, that all the expenses are being covered, and uh, it, we're getting close to it being more than that. This year, there'll be online campus people helping us do what we're doing here. So um, we decided to invest in the online campus, which has been a huge success for us, and we decided to really think and pray about where to relaunch the campus that had been in Paramus. We still have all the Porta Church stuff and several hundred thousand dollars of equipment that we could literally set up someplace next week. Uh, but... Um, uh, we've been praying and thinking about where to relaunch, and um, I, I'm going to be transparent and tell you what we're thinking about, though we haven't made a decision. We're still doing focus groups, feasibility studies, and wanting to get feedback from you about our desire at this moment to relaunch our third TLCC campus in Harrison, New Jersey. We have a critical mass of people in that area, which is very important to be able to get that up and standing. We think Harrison, which is a growing, thriving community, needs a church like ours that we can make significant impact there. That's what we're thinking about and praying about right now. Uh, and our hope is to be able to launch this campus in October. Uh, again, we're going to do it we're not going to force it, but that's what we're working towards. Our project plan is working towards the next big thing for us, which we need to have seed funding for from this offering, is to hire a campus pastor who can lead this project on a full-time basis. Uh, we need that person in place at least six months before the campus is launched. So that's the next big step, and that's what we're hoping, praying for, thinking about as it concerns that. Here's the third uh, vision initiative. Oh, you know, something you probably would like to know. As we were, as we were finishing uh, the, the decision process about Paramus, I received a call uh, from a pastor uh, uh, who uh, wanted to set up a meeting with me 
uh, this guy's name was David Cho. I didn't know what it was about. I'm an older guy now, so it's not unusual for younger pastors to be calling to set up time to talk with me about how to keep their hair and things like that. But uh, anyway, so it's not that unusual. I've got this pastor showing up. I don't know. And, and uh, uh, this guy's name's David Cho, and he's, start, he's starting a church in cooperation with Mosaic Church in New York in Paramus, New Jersey. This is as we're trying to make the final decision about Paramus. And he's thinking about meeting at the AMC Theater. And um, it was just a sign, the, kind of the final sign for me. You know what? Here's a really sharp young man who has another church behind him, and he's going to be successful there. And we know that gospel mission is going to continue in Paramus. Our response to that was to bless him. Uh, and uh, then we, out of last year's Christmas offering, paid for their first month's rent at the AMC Theater. So we've made a contribution to what they're doing. Very excited uh, about that. And uh, uh, we continue to be in, in relationship with David. He was on a Zoom call with me and some other pastors a few weeks ago. Here's the third thing. Now I'm going to get back to what I was talking about, attracting more to inspiring more. Attracting more to inspiring more. This would not typically fit the missional model, uh, but ultimately it's going to fit the missional model because to do missions well, we need to attract well. We intend to invest our energies and resources to attract many more people to the Life Christian Church, both to our West Orange campus and online campus. And to emphasize this during this Christmas season, as we're saying, please bring a guest, uh, and reminding us that we're not putting on a Christmas show, not primarily for ourselves. We're throwing a Christmas show because we want to attract people to TLCC and inspire you share the gospel story in a beautiful way. Um, so um, part of the reason we're thinking about this, and again, this might be TMI, but this is my nature, is to kind of say, here's, here's, here's what we're thinking. COVID had a powerful impact on churches all over the world, all over the United States, and sadly shut a lot of smaller churches down. And the studies that are being done now are showing that there's a certain segment of, the, of what was the church-going population in 2019 who, for whatever reason, just aren't showing up in person anymore. And um, some of the numbers are staggering in terms of what churches are experiencing. Now, Bible Belt churches where, you know, uh, where the... the, the uh, how do I say this? Bible Belt churches were where there in many states was a different approach to how to deal with COVID restrictions and so on. Those churches tend to be recovering a lot more quickly. But um, uh, for us here in the New York City metropolitan area, we are still, we are still only 65% of in-person attenders as to where we were same time 2019 pre-COVID. So fall of 2019, fall of 2020, I mean, this is a nice crowd, but the fact is that two years ago, there would have been 35 more percent people in this room. And, um, uh, and, something, and now, that's a good number in comparison to what I'm hearing from many of my friends around the country. That's sad to feel good about, but the truth is we're, we continue. You know, I saw someone today, their first time back since before COVID. So um, welcome, welcome back. Uh, and now, at the same time, our online campus has grown significantly. Hundreds of more people who are participating with TLCC online. Financially, we're okay. We're about the same place we were a couple years ago, uh, even though... So, so and, and when it's all said and done, there probably, online and in person, are more people involved in TLCC than there were two years ago. But you can't underestimate the reality. There are 35% less people sitting on the seats here, which means it's 35% less people that you're sending on missions teams. That's 35% less people who you have as a pool to serve your children on Sunday morning in Cape Port. So sun, Sunday mornings, we, 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 have a, we have an issue 
with volunteers. It's just a matter of numbers. It's a matter of there are 35% less people to serve on the first impressions team, 35% less people to reach into, to to populate your Christmas show. We've got a lot of talent. We're really blessed, so we're going to be okay. But you, you get the point. This is, And then the other thing that's happened for churches like ours in this part of the world, there's been this great migration south. And COVID was so disruptive that it created an opportunity uh, for people, and particularly high-capacity high financial people, frankly, to be able to work, do their job from any place in the world, and they took the opportunity of COVID to pull up roots, move typically south to a low-tax state. Uh, is New Jersey a low-tax state? I'm trying to remember. No. Uh, anyway, so they moved south. And, and it has, it's impacted us. We've had a lot of marvelous stakeholders who are now sitting in a church someplace in Atlanta. Atlanta doesn't need more people in their churches, right? I'm not even going to say anything about the NC word, uh, but there are a lot of people sitting in church in Raleigh, I didn't say North Carolina, who were sitting here anyway. It's a, it, and so we just know that we need to really focus on getting more and more people back engaged, inspired dreaming God dreams, getting involved in God's mission. So we're going to be investing in this over the coming year. I'm not asking you necessarily to give to this, but here's one thing that we're, that's going to happen in January, that because Christmas is as it is, we're not going to have time to communicate with, about very much in Christmas. So I'm going to give my, I think, very important spiel on this right now, okay? Something very big that's going to happen in January that's going to give us a tremendous opportunity to attract and inspire a lot of people. Some of you may know that I uh, have written a new book and that uh, this book is being released on January 3rd, everywhere books are sold or whatever. So thank you. I'm very excited about this. I love to write. I felt the Holy Spirit really inspire me in writing this book. I'm very excited to get it out. But the thing that I'm most excited about is the opportunity this gives us here in a way that's unique to how it will be experienced in other churches, and other churches are going to be do, using this book, because of the uniqueness of a local church pastor who wrote a book, and particularly this book, uh, which is called The Lord Bless You, 28 a 28-day journey to experience God's extravagant blessing, particularly this book, the message of this book is going to create tremendous opportunity for us to use this as an invitation tool to people who aren't believers or who aren't uh, engaged in a local church the nature of the book is, I mean, it's really hard for someone to not be interested in learning about how much God wants to bless them, how to receive that blessing, how, and this is a big emphasis of the book, blessing is connected to purpose and how God wants to use us to bless other people. And um, it's getting, I'm really excited about the kind of reviews that it's getting, and I always try to find a lead endorser who will, this is what I think about, guys, when I'm thinking about who would I love to have endorse this? I always think about, I imagine you handing, someone in this congregation, handing this book to a friend and the endorser helping make that an easy gift. My first book, I was blessed, Ken Blanchard, author of the best-selling business book in history, The One Minute Manager, was my lead endorser. Uh, my next book, Jack Welch, CEO of, of General Electric, was my lead endorser. He's only endorsed like two books ever, so that was a real gift, but he was a, 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 a big believer in one of the things that I taught in, in that book, The Hospital Believer. This time, my lead endorser is Kathy Lee Gifford. And Kathy Lee is a delightful person who actually took the time to read the book. I'll be frank, I've endorsed books that I briefed through real quickly and found something I could say honest and nice about. She actually took the time to read the book and then said, the Lord bless you, brought me great joy. It is written in a beautiful, flowing, and accessible manner that immediately put me at ease. Hallelujah, it isn't religious. It's revelatory and it will also give you joy and purpose when you discover that our God is loving and kind and generous and longs to completely bless his people you. That's a nice thing for somebody like Kathy Lee to say. And then there are other endorsers. I won't, 
I won't go into them all, but AR, look for instance, the great AR Bernard, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for this. But here's why I'm grateful for this. I hope somebody in San Francisco sees this book in a store and buys it, right? But th- that's not what motivates me. What motivates me is to think about launching this here in January where you have a friend sitting out here with you because you've said to them, hey, here's a book my pastor wrote. I think that you'll enjoy this. It's about how to receive God's blessing in your life. And we're starting a series on January 8th called The Lord Bless You, 28 Days of Blessing. And why, it'd be great if you come and let's read this book together and and and. Now, without going into too many details, the book is written in 28 brief chapters meant to be read. The publisher's calling it a devotional book uh, where someone in five minutes can read something substantive, theologically sound every day. The publisher did an amazing job of, of, of uh, I had nothing to do with this, an amazing job putting this in a gift book form. This is very intentional on their part where it's very easy to hand this to somebody who wouldn't want to receive blessing. Now, I'm not asking you to give a thing towards this. What I am asking you is I'm, I want to put this in your mind. I want you to think about people who you could use this to invite to TLCC to spread God's love in ever-widening circles. We're gonna, so we're going to launch this 28 Days of Blessing campaign on Sunday, January 8th. We're going to start book clubs for five weeks. So we're going to encourage people, come to Sunday, read a uh, chapter of the book every morning. If you'd like to, go to a book club where you can discuss it with other people sitting at Starbucks or Panera Bread, depending on who you like, or at someone's living room or out here in the lobby of the church. And um, and uh, we're going to launch this whole thing on January 4th with an event here out in our lobby that we're going to call Broadway and Blessings, where some of our uh, immensely gifted Broadway talent are going to do show tunes, and I'm going to do a couple readings from the book, and we're going to have a book signing. We're going to use this to invite the community. All of this is about trying to attract more and more people. You get the point, right? That's what all is about. And I, you should know any proceeds that would typically come to me as the author of the book for the launch here at TLCC will be donated back by me to the church, to our Christmas missions offering so we can keep this thing going, okay? So um, um, someone said to me this morning, I'm disappointed they didn't release this by Christmas. Publishers, I don't know why they do what they do, but I'm sure they have a plan for this. But one of the things the publisher's providing that I think is pretty cool is, uh, so you can't get the book till January 3rd. It's not released till then. It can't be sold by then. But you can pre-order it. Uh, and by the way, if you go to tlcc.org forward slash something blessings or bless you, forward slash bless you, you can get more details about this. The publisher is offering a 40% off right now to January 3rd. And um, But if you want to buy this as a Christmas gift for somebody, which I love for you to do, where Jan, you, you can go to the site I just told you about, tlcc.org forward slash bless you. You can, you can pre-order the book. When you pre-order the book, you can download this beautiful little gift card. So just, I want to get your imagination going about this. You want to give a gift to your dentist for Christmas. And typically you'd whatever. Well, now you, you hand him a card and in it, it has this card saying, January 3rd, you're going to get this book about how much God wants to bless you. Or you think about that for your newspaper person, if anybody has those anymore or whoever. And I'm very intentionally throwing this out now because I'd like to see come January 8th, a bunch of people sitting here who wouldn't have been sitting here otherwise, except that we got engaged in this campaign. And one other thing about this, and then I'm going to go down the closing stretch here is this is also immediately missional. And it's immediately missional because just on the basis of relationships, no marketing, no investment at all financially in this, we have, there are going to be somewhere between 30 and 40 churches from around the country who are also going to be doing the Lord Bless You 28 Days of Blessings campaigns. It's from David Cho and Paramus uh, to uh, Jason Pettibone, our former Paramus 
campus pastor who's now pastoring an Assembly of God church in somewhere, Washington, New Jersey, I think, to a couple of huge mega churches, Bible Belt mega churches. There are 30 to 40 churches who we're going to be, they're going to be preaching the sermons I'm writing for this, our creative teams providing materials and book club stuff and so on and so forth. So we are going to be spreading God's love in ever-widening circles and bringing blessings all over the country. And then after that, the, you know, the sermon series that we do here will get packaged and made available to pastors and churches for years to come, you know, and all of that. Okay, here's the fourth thing. Thank you for hearing that. It's important. This is, I want to attract more people. And, and I want to use this to do that. Here's, here's the last and final thing. We want to double down on all in for the arts. We want to double down on all in for the arts. Now, I'm going someplace with this. It'll take me about four or five more minutes to get there, okay? When we talk about all in for the arts, we, we're, we're talking about using the arts in its various forms to tell the gospel story. This includes a lot of things, like TLCC School for the Arts, events like the Christmas Experience, which is an all in for the arts project, curating art shows, and much more. Um, I see so much potential in something like the TLC School for the Arts, a place for people who aren't a part of TLCC to receive best-in-class training in a variety of art disciplines in a faith-based environment, an opportunity to place to raise up and train present and future artists here. We're off to a good start in this, but we believe that in order for this to be everything it should be, that we need to double down in our investment so that we can really build and grow this. Haven Burton has done a fantastic job with all of this in a part-time role. Haven, you've done a great job. Would you stand back there? So grateful for you. Haven is only able to do this part-time, though uh, I'm hoping to talk her into more, but uh, because she's a very successful actress, and she's got a busy life, and she's a very a busy mom. Uh, and so one of the things that we know, we had a meeting about this a couple weeks ago, we need to make a significant invest in ad- investment in additional staffing to staff this up so we can grow this. We want to use a little bit of this offering as seed money to do that. And uh, we think that it will come back to us many, many times in the future in many, many ways. Um, and, and so that's something I wanted you to know about. And finally, uh, one more thing related to All In for the Arts that I hope that will bring a lot of what I've said today together and give us all something to be inspired by and look forward to. So take a breath and give me just another minute. I know I've been up here talking a long time to set this up properly. Because I'm going to close this with a big announcement about something, okay? So, this past summer, during my sabbatical, Sharon and I were able to spend considerable time in Florence, Italy. It's marvelous. I was constantly reminded by the beautiful churches and art everywhere that much of the greatest art in history came from Christians and churches and tells the gospel story in beautiful and creative ways. They do a beautiful thing to tell the gospel story. And this includes architecture and paintings and sculptures and music and more. You, you know, you have to remember that Bach and Handel were church musicians and Mozart. Uh, he wrote great music that we play today with Christ-centered themes. I believe that Christians and Christian churches should still be using art and its various mediums to tell the story of Jesus. Frankly, there aren't very many churches anymore that talk about this, that focus about this, that see the potential in this. I was particularly impressed by this on our visit to the Hospital of the Innocents. This is a life-transforming experience for me. The Hospital of the Innocents was the first orphanage ever built in Europe. In the early 1400s, the economic condition of Florence was such that women were having children that they were not able to feed. And they were taking their babies and leaving them indiscriminately around the city in public places in hopes that someone who could afford to feed their child would find the child, take the child in, and raise the child to adulthood. Well, a group of businessmen got together and said, we've got to fix this problem. I mean, this was happening in a widespread way. And so they conceived this plan to build an orphanage. There had never been an orphanage ever built like that, at least in Europe. And so these were really visionary business people. And when they decided to build the orphanage, they hired the architect, Filippo Brunelleschi, to design and build it. Many believe that Brunelleschi was the most important architect of the Renaissance. 
He designed, among other famous buildings, the Duomo, um, one of the most famous works of architecture in the world and around which the entire city of Florence is built. In designing the orphanage, Brunelleschi designed a glorious building on a glorious site and built what is considered to be the first building demonstrating Renaissance architecture. So if you're in Florence, a lot of people just go to see the Hospital of the Innocents because it is considered to be the first truly Renaissance building ever built. It's glorious. 800 years later, it's absolutely glorious. The building is a work of art. And then for this orphanage, for this orphanage, they commissioned many works of art. Some are now very famous works of art, like the Adoration of the Magi by Gerlandio or Our Lady and the Child by Robia. Um, you walk around this place today, there are works of art everywhere commissioned for this, note this word again, orphanage. Works of art, some of which are worth millions of dollars today. You walk up a landing, and there's this beautiful sculpture of this woman nursing a child. Beautiful sculpture demonstrating the love of a mother for a child. It's just amazing. The architecture is breathtaking. The art is breathtaking. But more than that, the mission of this place is breathtaking because it's ultimately all about the mission. This orphanage was built because of the mission to care for unwanted children. The Hospital of the Innocents has served thousands of children over hundreds of years and still serves women and children today. It is missional. But they also created an environment of beauty for those children to be raised in. They created something incredibly attractive. They paid attention to the missional and the attractional at the same time, and this place is still inspiring people from all over the world 800 years later. Thank God somebody didn't just say, like they do in church architecture now, we need to save orphans, so let's throw up some ugly building and get to work. And that'd be a logical thing to say, right? Let's get to the problem as quickly as we can. Let's throw up an ugly-looking steel building, and let's serve orphans. They went and hired the most famous architect in the world. They commissioned art. Well, the thing, and, and this art is still telling the gospel story. Today, most of it is gospel-centered. Now, here's the thing in all of that that moved me the most. The way that they decided to let these... Pro prominently, uh, predominantly women to bring and leave their babies at the orphanage is they designed a graded window where a woman could anonymously bring her baby, lay it on one side of this window, and when she would leave, they'd open the grate, and from the inside, they'd take this baby in. There's so many thing, other things to be said about all of this. I'll probably come back to the story someday because there's a lot very moving about it. So they bring their baby, leave it in the window, and then the woman would disappear, and um, they'd take the baby in and take care of the baby. Well, at some point, someone got the idea that they wanted to create an experience for the woman leaving her child that would minister to her. And so they had commissioned a work of art that's a statue of Mary and a statue of Joseph. And they put the statue of Mary on one side of this window, and they put the statue of Joseph on the other side of this window. And in the place where the manger would typically have been is this window, and the baby would be put in that window in the place of Jesus. It's as if they were saying, we're going to take care of your baby in the same way we would take care of Jesus. And they received these babies in this beautiful way. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus when he said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, say all of that to lead to an announcement I want to make. I want in coming years for us to be more intentional at marrying mission and attraction including reclaiming the arts and using art to tell the gospel story. And we have some big ideas around that that has to do with, with creating and commissioning and purchasing works of art in coming years. As a next step toward this goal, I'm announcing today that it is our intention to commission a major work of art that will inspire people with the story of Jesus for many years to come 
this year, and in particular to inspire people with the heroic self-sacrifice of Jesus to save anyone who believe in him. This work of art, which we hope to commission this year, is a giant and majestic cross which we want to be placed on the front of this property, a cross that everyone in this area will be able to see and enjoy, a cross that will hopefully become a landmark piece of art in this region and point people to Jesus. And here's an example, just an example, a lot of work to be done in thinking through what this this is going to look like. But this is an example of what we're talking about. Something of, you know, one of the things people say to me is I drove by that church for years, but I didn't know it was a church. No one is ever going to wonder whether this is a church again or not. This is, an, our, this is a cross our architect drew years ago. We'd actually forgotten about it, and I got inspired around this, and he had this in his files. We couldn't afford to have it built at that time. Um, and uh, here's another example just to give you an idea of the kind of things we're looking at of, of another cross that our architect did, probably a little too ambiguous for me, but nonetheless, I appreciate how beautiful it is. And I love the idea. I want you to get this idea. This isn't going to be some little cross out there. This is going to be a giant work of art, a monument, something truly, truly, I believe this, that, that people, when their friends come to visit them in West Orange, one of the things that they're, they're going to want their friends to see is this beautiful, majestic work of art cross on the front of the property of this church, whether they attend this church or not. You've gone to cities like that where somebody says, I want you to go see this beautiful thing that our city is really known for. I want that kind of a cross. And we intend to use seed money from this year's Christmas offering to study, design, bring somebody on to do design, come to a place of decision, do some feasibility work, do, we'll have to get a permit from the town for the magnitude of a cross taller than our building and all of that. But we want to get that started. And then uh, I have some ideas around how to fund what the cost will be when we get the, when we know what that is. I'm not going to get into that right now. You've been here plenty long and listened to me plenty long. But this is a major step we want to take this year. And it's a symbol, it's a sign of attracting people, attracting people to the gospel story, to the story of Jesus, to the story of what Jesus did on the cross. I want what people feel as they drive up on this property, sometimes people far from God, orphaned from God, to feel what a mother felt when she put that baby in that window and Mary and Joseph welcomed that baby in. I want people to have that kind of feeling when they come driving up on this property for many, many, many years to come. Thank you for hearing about our vision today.